my first question, you mentioned you went to the University of Iowa, um, but did you like grow up in Iowa City or where did you grow up? I grew up in Fort Dodge, but I, I was all Hawkeye family. My dad went, my older sister went. I, I just knew I'd go there. I wanted, so yeah. Yeah, majoring in psychology and economics, like when, I guess, when in your college experience did you decide that intersection because it seems pretty niche and cool? Well, um, I, I added the psychology because I took a couple courses like psychology of adjustment, social psychology, and I was just fascinated. But I'm still fascinated how people behave, what motivates people, all those factors. And um, yeah, the, so um, that's why I did that for sure. But I got decent grades and I graduated. So, was, But I enjoyed myself. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. I, I'm i actually planning and majoring in psychology as well. Um, yeah, in those uh, three or four de- decades since I went, it's come a long way, like behavioral economics and some of the fascinating things they, they study and you can study. It's, it's really, uh, it's, a, it's a very good thing to know about and to uh, major in all that for sure. Yeah, this is kind of putting you on the spot, but do you have like one like a coolest thing that you've learned, I guess, or like something, I don't know, really fascinating? Back in college? Yeah, I guess. Um, or just something you've learned with psychology, I guess. Um, I would say it's more recent. Like uh, I, I listened to, I don't know if you're familiar, you're familiar with like, NPR radio, but there's a program on every week uh, about the brain and, and the mind. And this guy, uh, it's all about the psychology of human beings. And it's it's a fascinating thing. I, and I try and tune in every week and I usually learn something every week. So, you know, life is um, lifelong. Yeah. Ooh, I should do that. We, we are an NPR family too, but I feel like I only listen to the morning edition and then like um the daily because it's like when we're eating breakfast and then when Mm -hmm. we're cooking dinner um yeah growing up in fort dodge um what was that like what did you do when you were little or when you were in high school um well it was uh it was thriving when i was there um through the 60s and into the 70s and um you know town about twenty five thousand. it was like just classic uh midwest small town uh, good education, you know, you didn't have to lock the doors, that sort of thing. I, I enjoyed it. Made lifelong friends. I played sports. Um, I did start playing the piano when I was in second grade, but I did not like it. My mom wanted me to do it. So I did it for a couple of years. And finally, she said, OK, if you don't want to do it, don't do it. So, yeah, I, I was kind of the same way, but now I, now I regret that. I regret that. Um, what sports did you play? uh baseball and basketball and then on other uh we played pickup football but my best part was baseball i played that through high school and i got better at basketball but um i kind of matured late i was a gangly skinny guy so uh, but i enjoyed we we played pickup and you know get some kids in the neighborhood friends growing up so yeah it was very uh yeah, I feel like the draft, I've learned about all of it from a very historical point of view, but you said that you would get drafted when you're 18, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's like the year that your number would be called. 
So was that like an anxiety factor, I guess, in high oh. school? Like were people nervous about it? Very much so. I mean, we had other people that got drafted. But we, I knew people not close, but there were people that went to my high school that got drafted in the mid-60s and got killed over in Vietnam. And um, so and I had uh, one of my best friends, his older brother had just graduated from college. So he, he like starved himself. So he'd flunk his physical. There were people that were doing all kinds of things to avoid going to Vietnam. And uh, so it wasn't, uh, it was not a good time in terms of that. I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you see any, I guess, parallels between, I don't know, maybe growing up in that environment and like coming of age and like COVID? Hmm. Yeah, there's nothing like what's happened here with COVID. Um, but uh, what, what has happened between the COVID and then all the Black Lives Matter and what went on last summer and is continuing to move on, I was definitely coming of age with all the different protest movements, civil rights in the 60s, Vietnam, uh, gay rights a little bit. It didn't really get going. And women's, women's rights, all those things were happening. And I thought, wow, it's going to keep getting better and then all of a sudden like the 80s hit and we became the me generation and it got more and more conservative but well yeah. things are sort of like people are waking up that's what COVID-19 does to you so what was I don't know were you an activist in in your young years did you do you have any a little bit I, I wasn't really a frontline type person but um, I definitely supported it. And uh, like I said, by the time I went to Iowa, it, it you know, it had it, it, uh, quieted down because they knew the draft was over. Things were winding down. And then they finally, in 75, it was all over. Uh, all, a bunch of gains in civil rights and, and again, women's liberation, all that. And uh, people were very hopeful because we had come out of, well, the fifties and early sixties and some of that stuff that was going on. So, um, it had really started to quiet down a bit when I, when I entered uh, school. Yeah. So. Um, people have been, I guess I've heard some comparisons between like the civil rights movement. Um, and I guess the black lives matter movement now, um, I don't know. Do you think there's parallels and do you have hope for, I guess this time it'll work? Well, you know, it, there's similar th things. Actually, you know, it kind of had just people had fallen asleep. And then with social media, and then all of a sudden you're seeing all this stuff and it was always going on. I, you know, I didn't realize it. And then when, and personally, you may not be a racist, but there is a huge amount of institutional racist. As human beings, we do have implicit and kind of unconscious bias. And, and it, people are waking up to that, which is good. Um, but yeah, we need, we need change for sure. in a lot of things, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm not going to live long enough. You guys are much younger. Hopefully good change is going to come out of the COVID-19 pandemic and some of this other stuff going on. But, yeah. Um, how, I guess, has COVID in what ways has it personally, I guess, affected you? It affects everyone obviously but yeah well for me personally it didn't affect me 
that much because one, I'm older. I don't go to bars and, you know, that sort of thing at all. Um, I was working at Lowe's at the time. So as an essential worker, essential business, I still was able to get out and make a little money. And we were real busy because people couldn't do anything. So we were like busy. That was good. But again, because I, I, I'm kind of a solitary person anyway, and I, you know, I'm fine without a whole lot of social interaction. So it, it didn't affect me that, that like a lot of people, because especially younger people, I, you know, I know it was very hard. And then depending on how, you know, how social you are and all that, but I, I, I've pretty much gotten along. Okay. With it. Although I'm, I am, I'm ready for things to open up. Yeah. No. no, that's good to hear. I'm I'm hoping the vaccine by May. My fingers are crossed now that now that he said yeah, that. Good, I mean, good news yesterday. It sounds like it's going to be available. So yeah, we'll see, but yeah, yeah. This is a question I think Julie asked at our meet first meeting with Gen Stories, but I thought it was a really good idea, and I've incorporated it into all my interviews. Um, what's something you look forward to doing like, every day? Uh, now the, the weather's better. Uh, I really like to bicycle. So, and actually I'm open to riding rag bride this summer. So now the weather's better. I'm, I'll be able to get out and start training for that, get in good shape. That's one thing. Um, <clears throat> what else? I read a lot. Uh, I'm in sports like music, you know, pretty much all kind of typical things that people enjoy. I'm real. I'm really, I'm really into Hawkeye sports too. So, and it's been a really good for football, wrestling, basketball, all the sports. And that's been a good thing. At least they've been able to compete and kudos to UI and their sports departments. They have had minimal COVID-19 issues, which is incredible. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll see. It's, you just never know, um, with that. And, uh, the, they're opening stuff up. So hopefully we won't have another one. Yeah. Um, have you done rag ride before? No, uh -uh. but I've got a childhood friend or a neighbor that's done it like six or seven times and he's going to ride with me, but I just moved back to Iowa a few years ago. Um, and never even thought about riding it back when it started in the seventies. And then I, I moved away in the early eighties. But I've got, uh, I know other people, several other people that I've written. Everybody says it's just like the, the best. Actually, I got motivated because Charlie, who was, I was working with at Lowe's, who's even older than I am, um, wrote it two years ago. I said, well, Charlie, if you can write it, and he had so much fun with it, I'm going to go for it. So, yeah. Great. Um, you said, you mentioned you just moved back to Iowa. Was that from North Carolina? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I lived in um, Chapel Hill. I went to school there. And then I, I lived in Durham for almost three decades before I moved back. But I got wow. several brothers here and there, um, significant others, and, and several really good friends here in Coralville and Iowa City. And that's why I moved back here. And I, I'm, I'm really glad I did. It was, it was a good move. And I still have really good friends back in, in uh, uh, North Carolina. But I, I don't have any – I mean, I've never been married and I don't have kids. So – um, uh, that, that wasn't an issue. I got more family back here, obviously. So, yeah. Um, what's Durham like? I've, I've never really been. Um, oh, it, I enjoyed, uh, living there again. 
it was a uh, uh, some of a culture shock a little bit. But Chapel Hill, I don't know if you're familiar, Chapel Hill, Durham, and Raleigh are what they call the triangle. So there's a lot of Midwestern, Northeastern folks that have moved there, and it's not like the Deep South. So it's and it's much more progressive there. But yeah, for instance, Durham is like 60% black. But like I said, you know, when I took that first job, I got to know folks. Uh, I was still playing basketball. I used to go and go to play pickup basketball games at the Y and uh, on the courts, and I'd be the only white guy. But it was like it was it was fun. Really enjoyed it. So it's it's uh, again, um, you know, I have people that I met, good friends that were still the schools had just desegregated really in the seventies. Took them that long, so it was kind of all, all that was a wake up call in terms of some of that. But. Yeah, um, you mentioned like rag being something um, that you hopefully want to do potentially this summer. Uh, do you have any other, I guess, like fun bucket list type things that you've been looking for to do for a while? No, I just, uh, yeah. Um, actually, I, I'm hoping to take up fishing again. I haven't, uh, <clears throat> I used to fish a lot, but since I moved back to Iowa, I haven't. I just, um, uh, I did a little ice fishing three years ago, but since then, other things got in the way. So the weather's getting better, so I may take that up again, too. And uh, yeah, was that um, was that something you did when you were like younger in Fort Dodge? Yeah, when I was a kid growing up, we went fishing a lot. And then I kind of just when I moved to North Carolina, I had a fr I had fr a friend that lived out on the coast. So whenever I visited him, he had a boat. We'd go out uh, fishing and shrimping and all that. But that was really uh, I didn't do any inland fishing in North Carolina. So. Yeah, you we I feel like we touched very briefly on social media with like the activism and um I don't know you mentioned that like that's somehow like a way that people obviously like communicate and get things changed but I guess how have you seen the world changed from like not having any social media um oh, and like just, uh, early I mean, internet to just what it is know, now I don't know how we got along we were able to socialize back in the day how we communicated it's like. We didn't even have answering phones, answering phone or uh, answering machines finally came in. But we still, we had social lives. We figured out how to get up together and all that and communicate business-wise. But there, there are so many good things with the technology. But again, uh, between what's going on with Facebook and Google and uh, uh, data mining and tracking you, some of that's kind of scary, to tell you the truth. It is kind of scary. So I don't really do much social media. I, I, I'm on Google, but I don't, I'm not on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, but that's more of a professional thing. And I don't uh, use Twitter. Or I, and I know there's dozens of other social media apps that are out there, but I'm pretty much staying away. I'm, I'm not doing it, at least for now. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I feel the same way. How, how did you like, did you just like walk over to people's houses when you were younger and just see, see if they were available? We did have telephones back there though. <laughs> so we were able to use the telephone, but yeah, no, it's, but it's so much different now because nobody uses voicemail. Nobody leaves messages. You know, who's calling you. Texting is wonderful. You know, we all text. It's a good way to communicate. Uh, 
email, not as much, you know, email started happening in the nineties and people used emails and then a little bit of direct messaging. But when the smartphone came out, it, it was it, the whole ballgame changed. Yeah, absolutely. But we are all addicted to it. That's for sure. Me too. I'm on it too much, too much. I, I feel the same way, especially with COVID. Like, what, is it, what else is, there's mm-hmm. not much else to do, I guess. Um, did you have, like, I know you majored in psych and economics, but, like, when you were little, did you have a dream of what you were going to be? Um, that was very clear. Well, just like a lot of kids, I want to be a professional baseball player growing up. But I knew that wasn't going to happen. And then, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I, everybody told me I should be a lawyer. And so I thought about law, law school. Actually, I, I, was, I went to planning school graduate, but actually I was in the joint planning and law program. And I, I had been accepted by several law schools. But once I got into planning and what was going on there, I just said, I really like this. Let me go do this. Maybe I'll come back to go to law school. But I just, once I got out working, I, I decided I didn't want to uh, become a lawyer. I don't think I would have been, well, there's a lot of different lawyering things you can do, but some of it, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I wouldn't cut out for it, for sure. Yeah, um, you mentioned you read a lot too. Um, do you have, I don't know, has that always been the case? Like, did you read a lot when you were younger too? Oh yeah, I read all, all the time. I even got my picture in the paper when I was in third grade. At the for school reading? Yeah, because myself and several other people, they picked us out because we were ferocious readers. So, yeah, the, oh. the libraries are great. Books are great. So, And actually, I don't probably read as much as I used to because of uh, being able to go Google and surf the web. And, and, and it's so wonderful. I mean, if you have a question about something back in the day, you have to do research. Search, go to the library, look it up. Now you can just pretty much at your fingertips find something immediately. Although you got to be careful. You got to vet it. You don't want to, you can't, well, is that true that everything's true on the internet? I don't, I don't think so. so. No one ever knows. Um, but yeah, did, did you have like a favorite book, I guess you remember growing up or now? The Count of Monte Cristo, I remember reading that in early high school. I love that book. Okay. Alexander Dumas. And, I, you know, I pretty much just read all the stuff that was assigned in schools. And over the years, I read a lot of nonfiction now, actually. Um, but every once in a while, I'll read a novel. I like biographies. So I've heard I haven't read it yet, but our journalism advisor just recommended it to us it's called hidden valley road um and it's about i guess a family i think it's like six children who are all born with schizophrenia um really? and like a journalist like went to live with them so i don't know maybe as a psychologist and a nonfiction, lover that could be a good book for you um, now that you mentioned that too you know back in the day it was like if you were de- diagnosed schizophrenia uh, there was a lot not like that levels of like different types of all of the sort of the mental health things. And that is what, where we've really come a long ways with because back in the day, boy, if you were diagnosed with it, they didn't know how to deal with it. But if they know initially you may be 
moving toward that. There's lots of people that have very, you know, almost normal, productive lives. Um, for sure. Yeah. What was studying psychology like, I guess? Obviously not in its like super early days, but yeah, now seeing how far it's come since you still like kind of stay in the loop. Um, well, it was like, I, I, I always, I love school. Uh, I was one of those people that just enjoyed it. And uh, I still do. I think you can keep learning your whole life. So, okay, Marta, one of the, uh, I asked this too uh, last time out. Um, Definitely COVID related, but for instance, I mentioned earlier again uh, how important music, dance, art is uh, for us to have full and good lives. Has have you turned to like more music or opened up with some of those sorts of things? And, and what kind of music do you listen to these days? And, and tell me about how that may have helped you get through some of this um, pandemic and all that. Yeah. I actually wrote um, like a personal essay and also just a lot of psychologists about sort of that um, because I don't know, in my mind, I guess, periods of time are sort of sectioned out um, by like the music I've listened to a lot because I've always been a pretty avid music listener. So especially like, I don't know, when now with streaming services, when you used to have to like buy albums, it was like, I remember only listening to this album, you know, for like two months, but now, now it gets a little more fuzzy. Um, but definitely I've made, I, it's like an obscene, it's like 70 playlists or something like that during quarantine that are all like five hours long. So if that tells you anything about how I spend my time, um, mm -hmm. but I don't know, I really, I like, I like the indie rock. I, I kind of listen to a little bit of everything. Um, so it's, funny I have an app called Spotify and it has a pretty like nice algorithm I guess mm -hmm. um but it never knows where to put me so every single recommended playlist is like totally different um but yeah I really like an album I don't do you know Mort Garrison um he does Mother Earth's Plantasia it was an album that was pop I think it came out in the 1970s um no actually I don't I don't know. That's that's one of my all-time favorites. Do you have any music recommendations? I, I always oh, love the oh, good. I just I love all kinds. Back back growing up, I was more into rock, obviously, but um, I've developed taste into jazz. I listen. I was listening to classical this morning, but yeah. But I going back. I go back to Beatles and the band and CCR. Some of that music definitely, um, and. Uh, but then through the years, reggae, ska, I was into the clash. Um, and, uh, and then it's like, it is true though, what you listen to in your teens and twenties, you do kind of gravitate back to that. But I, I've picked up and, and listened to a lot of uh, more contemporary music too, for sure. But it is all, it's completely different because now with streaming, I mean, between like YouTube channel and Spotify, I mean, you can, uh, you have access to a lot of music, which is kind of a bummer to the, some of the artists, but it also has opened up a whole bunch of avenues and places for musicians and really talented artists that would never, never have been heard without the internet and streaming. So. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm actually doing 
sort of an internship. It's moving a little slowly with COVID, um, but I went to a journalism conference this summer and I met a guy who um, runs this journalism collective called Raw Music International. Mm -hmm. And he does international reporting. It's mostly documentary based, um, but about like music underground musicians in different countries. And I guess his uh, message or theory is that like, by because music is such a universal thing, that's like a way that you can connect and introduce cultures through just like strictly like one artist, um, which I think is really cool. So the current project, which has been moving pretty slow with COVID is like, um, there's this record of gospel music that was kind of like stolen essentially like what you're saying, I don't know, even with streaming services, artists are taking advantage of, but I'm learning through this that a lot of, especially like minority artists were very much taken advantage of, um, like with records and stuff like that. So they took a lot of recordings from like churches and stuff like that, and just like made them into this gospel record um, and didn't credit anybody involved. So our goal right now is to like contact either the musician themselves if they're still alive or the families of them and kind of do like an oral history and then create like a new record that has like a combination of like here's like who actually made this music and now it will profit them you know and you can learn about their history too sure so. yeah that um i listened to a, it was an npr piece the other day they interviewed this gentleman that had gone back and 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 they were back in the early like 1920s 30s there were certain companies that were going out and sending people out to make recordings of all these different cultures and, or, or people. And I forget the name of this project. It's just come out. But it was really interesting because he was finding some of these early recordings. And of course, they're, you know, uh, production wise, they're 1920s circa. But he was able to locate the backstory of some of these folks and all that. It was really, really interesting. Um, and I wish I could remember who it was but if you go to npr and you do a little research you'll find it it, it was just like in the last week or two on one of their programs so let me ask you this um whoops um i got a really bad rig set up here um did you or tell me about your school experience now like how covid 19's affecting you there and yeah. um what's going on and How's it going for you and the adjustments that you've had to, to make? Um, kind of like you said, I've, I think I've always really liked school. I've been lucky um, in that regard. But yeah, I have been all online the whole time. So I think that's been a little hard, especially recently. Um, I don't know, just the winter because it used to be, I, I am one of the more social people, but I also... Um, I'm a more anxious person and just like don't never wanted to bring it back to my family. Now my parents are vaccinated, but uh, because they work in healthcare, which is really great. But now they're like, well, we don't want you to get it either. Sure. Um, so it has been, I don't know, the hardest part I think is maybe seeing people because I think most people are being, I guess, a little less cautious than I am, which that's totally, I don't know, personal preference. I feel like as long as you're not being super unsafe, but it is kind of hard to see like, your friends hanging out with masks inside, but like, you're like, I can zoom you. Um, it's, I don't know, it's a little sad, but I think school-wise it's okay. Our teachers are doing um, a really, really good job trying to adjust. I know it can't be easy. So I'm really thankful for that. 
So and you'll be graduating this year, next year? Yeah, this is my this is my graduation year. Oh wow. Um, so you're still all online then for, for, for the most yep. part, or are you doing the Okay. And I forget between I, I don't have anybody close to me that's part of a high school or the regular school system, but it's so confusing because I know despite our wonderful governor Reynolds, <laughs> I think everybody's going in person, right? I mean, they're trying to like fire the Des Moines area superintendent because and yeah. same thing with Iowa City. But tell me more about that. What you've heard. What do you what you're thinking about it? Yeah. So she, um, I actually was planning on going in person for third trimester because we've had a pretty nifty since the start of this year. So when COVID started last year, it was optional classes from like April to, which is so funny to think about. Like the Zooms were like four people and nobody was paying attention like kids I don't know it was kind of crazy it was pretty disorganized um which I don't know for someone who's in a position like me who I'm lucky to have like I don't know like educated parents and like enjoy school I think it was okay but I do worry about like the kids who I guess don't have those privileges because getting left without that structure I don't know school for a lot of people is like a really important place that they need to be so then at the start of this year um they developed a hybrid model. So mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure of the logistics. I know it's like half half of the people who choose hybrid are in the building for like three days and they do class and then they do two days of like online asynchronous work. And then the next day they do two days and three days. So then they go alternating like A's and B days um, every, every single week. And that actually seemed to be working pretty well. It seemed to be safe. Um, and yeah, it seemed like they were getting through it. So I was thinking third trimester, some people will be vaccinated, warmer weather, I can go back. And then Miss Kim Reynolds, um, her proclamation was, if you're like, there's no more hybrid. So in-person people need to be 100% in-person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it used to be that if a school, like when our positivity rates went crazy high, I think towards Thanksgiving, um, we went all online. So the people who were in hybrid went online too. Uh, but she made it so you can't do that anymore. So if it's um, you go all online, it's just the people who are in person would go back to every other day. Um, so she really, I don't know. I think she kind of derailed a lot of people's plans because I know a few mm-hmm. other people who are like me who are really excited to go back third trimester, which that's the least of our worries. But yeah, class sizes are at or above pre-COVID capacity now. So there's like 30 people in classrooms. So do you, um, uh, do most of your friends enjoy school or, or do you know anybody that, um, uh, I mean, all, all, all I always hear, everybody, all the kids want to go back to school, but there's a lot of kids that probably don't, they don't like school. Tell, tell me about that. I mean. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's definitely true. Um, and I think that's funny to think about too, like it's all a matter of perspective, right? Like for some people this year, great. Like <laughs> I do know some people, like, I think especially those, you have to be at that sweet spot. I feel like, of, um, I guess you feel invincible with COVID because you're young and somehow your parents don't care. And you also don't care about school. I, I feel like to truly enjoy right now, um, there have to be a combination of factors, but I definitely know some people that this has been like, the best year <laughs> yet for them. Um, I don't think I'm personally one of them, but yeah, no, 
for sure that makes sense um I'm lucky to have like school activities like journalism that I can do online um but without that I think it'd be a pretty boring year for me I guess at least so what's the biggest challenge that you faced over the past year now it's been really a year either school related or just generally like with you and your friends or family anything that jumps out yeah I think just like it's been mentally tough I guess um and yeah just just a little hard I think a lot of highs and lows that everyone has but just like you think about it and you're like it's not that bad then you're like oh but this is I I guess just the comparison that it's supposed to be such a good time in your life and then like the reality that I guess right now isn't is a little frustrating but also I don't know I'm I'm really grateful that I have like good friends who we still FaceTime or like go on walks um or you know and I have a great family so I'm I'm really lucky in that regard but yeah it's definitely hard and just I guess seeing the news all the time because I do follow it pretty closely it can just take a lot out of you to feel I think we interviewed someone for a story last uh, time that said something about how like it feels like like you can go back on your news feed and there's like 2,000 bad things that have happened and you haven't like stopped any of them so then you just kind of feel all the time like this you know pressure of like wow there's so much bad things happening <laughs> right now mm -hmm. but yeah yeah it's pretty much COVID-19 uh 24 hours not all the news but with the vaccines coming out hopefully maybe by summer well no yeah so i'm gonna switch the subject a little bit because there's some other really good questions that they prepped us with and this is a really good one to ask if you could have a superpower what would it be and why Ooh. i'm gonna say like hold my breath infinitely underwater <laughs> um and i guess can i add on like not be affected by water pressure because i think it'd be really cool to just be able to scuba dive free solo mm -hmm. I guess I I used to sail a lot when I was younger mm -hmm. um because my family is from Spain and that was like there's this program where the high schoolers in the town um that we lived in honestly probably in America they'd get sued <laughs> for all the stuff they do like it's not like a safe program but it's just mm -hmm. what kids do so when you're a kid you go to this program and you're kind of like harassed by the teenagers who are not responsible and are like smoking on the boats and like for me to teach me how to swim and like not be scared of the water they just threw me out of the boat and were like so back to shore um and I think there it would have been very helpful <laughs> to just be able to breathe underwater I don't know I've always thought the ocean was really cool but sometimes it can be a little scary so it'd be cool to yeah that's a very play. unique and original uh superpower that one might have but you're right you know they they with all the deep sea stuff they're doing now, with again, the technologies, they're discovering all this stuff deep underneath the sea and, uh, you know, up underneath the, uh, both the Arctic, the North and South Poles. It's amazing. And let's see. So how, how, have you been able to interact and, and, and halfway normally with friends during COVID? Do you, do you guys Zoom a lot or do you just talking to phone and text and every once in a while, like you, I think you mentioned you take walks, get outside and you can interact a lot better outside. Obviously it's safer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's been mostly like outdoor walks and like, which I very much enjoy or I like running. So I have a friend that um, we try to run 
not as much anymore. We were, we were doing pretty well. And then the, that like three week period where it was too cold to even like <laughs> leave your house kind of derailed that a little bit, but yeah, we're pretty, we're pretty good with zooming. I feel like I'm lucky with that. A lot of my friends graduated last year too. Um, so now it's cool to, I don't know, we probably wouldn't be as close still as we were if it was a regular year. So I still get to talk to them um, a lot. And then with journalism, um, I get to, I don't know, I'm always, it feels like I'm always on a meeting um, for our little publication staff because it's all online now. Um, but I really love everyone on the staff. So I'm like, it's fun for me. It's kind of also social interaction time because just getting mm -hmm. to talk to them is really fun. Sure. Um, so do you participate in any other sports or anything else that um, school related or outside of school? Journalism is my main squeeze, but I run cross country pretty poorly. <laughs> I've been a pretty bad runner, but I enjoy it. Um, what else did I do? I Before COVID, I was involved in like clubs imaginable, I guess. Mm. And for a journalism project last year, I actually learned how to box for like four months um, with a local boxing gym, which was really cool. Um, except for I, I've, I've always been pretty injury prone and I broke my thumb in a car door, not, not with boxing. But um, so I had to wear like a thumb thimble. So I couldn't punch um, with my right hand. So um, they called me, I don't know if you follow boxing, but our coach, it was, it was really funny. He started calling me Anthony Joshua, who is um, like the world heavyweight champion because he, he would like win fights with only his left hand. Um, and I was just very honored. And I thought that was hilarious because I was pretty bad at boxing too. So it's like, I was like a scrawny kid, you know, who's like barely punching with their left hand, but my nickname was Anthony Joshua. So, yeah. You're, you're much more courageous than I am. I would not ever think about picking up boxing. Honestly, in this day age, Yeah, I mean, I've had a, a couple friends that picked it up later in life and they said it's, it's a tremendous workout and all that, but yeah. For sure. So. Yeah, I, I could never like, punch someone else like even the coach he would hold like a mat and I would I'd just try and I'd get too scared she'd be like just hit me like I, I promise I've been hit way harder <laughs> you know like she was like a professional and mm -hmm. something there is just harder for me so I guess for me it was more like the technique and then just learning the skill of I guess getting out of your comfort zone um but I did learn I went to like a competition with their team I obviously did not compete I would have maybe gotten killed if I competed. I was, I was pretty bad at it, bad at keeping my hands up. But mm -hmm. um, I think I used to think that boxing was like a very violent sport, which it still kind of is. But I saw that like after all the matches, um, the people who are competing at least at a, in a state like Iowa um, at the competitions, like before then, they've been sparring with each other. Like people from different gyms get together and then after every fight, they kind of hug it out like they're excited for each other because they've just, they're like partners at that point and they've been pushing each other. So I think that's something that really switched my mindset um, on the sport. So you um, actually got into it because you decided it was a, a journalistic sort of uh, adventure that you would participate and write stories or articles about it? Or yeah, I, 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 do, I think I use journalism as an excuse quite frequently, but um I was kind of like I just I want to learn how to box what if we made a video <laughs> about boxing and then I went to the I-Corps boxing gym who the coaches there are 
beautiful, wonderful people. And um, I was kind of talking to them about my idea and I was like, I mean, if we could, I was thinking like a class or two, you know, that they could teach us. And then um, the main coach Cliff, he was just like, yeah, I mean, we could sponsor you for like six months if you want to come in. And I was like, I mean, okay. <laughs> so, so by, by sponsoring you, that means like you didn't have to. No, didn't, didn't pay. Normally just, you, you'd have to pay for lessons or, or exactly. time, right? Wow. He just kind of let us come in to the gym with everyone else. Um, mm -hmm. And have really treated us different. They're, they're really, really good people. I, I love the gym there. So you mentioned, you know, you're really interested in psychology. You may want to pursue that, but, but you really enjoy journalism. Uh, yeah. Are you going to give that up or you, you could combine it? Because I didn't think about it as a journal journalist, you can get a lot of freebies. If you tell people, well, I'm going to write this ongoing story, just as you have done with the boxing. That's that's true. I definitely I definitely take advantage. Um, I currently my plan is psychology with a minor in linguistics, but that will most likely change. Um, I think there's a lot of stuff you can do with psychology. I think journalism too. Our journalism program has been super wonderful, and I think my plan is probably just to join whatever school I go to's publication because I think a lot of journalism is real world experience and connection. So. Um, I guess in my eyes, um, and from some professionals who spoke at conferences I was at, you don't necessarily have to major in journalism. So some of them actually recommended just doing like something you're really passionate about and interested in getting that like background knowledge. So you're sort of like an expert on a subject and then mm -hmm. still able to interview. So do you know where you're going uh, to further your education yet? Or are you still? I haven't really heard back from everywhere yet, but I'm in at Iowa and that's seeming like a really solid option. So potentially we'll follow into your footsteps, but definitely not economics. But right. I will. So, so uh, what's the furthest school away from home you've applied to that you'd be, you, you might consider very much if, if they um, I recently got accepted into the University of Vermont, um, oh, which wow. is very exciting because their campus is beautiful. <laughs> um, a friend and I applied there um, because they're like, it's too pretty to not apply. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of our like, I guess, safety school. Um, yeah. And we're like, if all else fails, we can go to Vermont and be roommates. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, Vermont's a Parents beautiful don't like state. Vermont. <laughs> I, I've spent a little time up there. Because uh, back in the day, I did these different research projects, and they sent me up there a couple times. Actually, in the dead of winter, which was not the best. But Burlington's beautiful, and I forget where's the university located there. In a, I think it's in Burlington. Burlington. It is. Is it not? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, and it's it's a small state. It's it's, uh, but uh, Burlington was great. I mean, I spent couple of weeks there it's 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 a, it's a great place and i understand it's a really good school too so yeah i definitely do have that feeling of sort of wanting a change of pace i think i i keep on thinking like iowa would be so cool if i hadn't grown up in iowa city you know but it yeah still that's, is that, that's how m most a lot of people think too and now that we're near the end of this uh, what what question didn't I ask you or what would you like to share with all of us before we leave? No. I, don't, I don't know if, if I if I have something like that do you do you have something that you'd like to share I'm really bad on the spot I usually do the interviewing <laughs> um 
Well, I, I've really enjoyed it. This is my second one. I get to do one more. Um, it's it's a it's a great great thing you're doing, uh, Julie. <laughs>